Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. I was recently asked the question, why is Jerusalem Mystery Babylon? I don't know if the person who asked me the question reads Beast Watch News or not, but I went back to look at the articles that I've written over the last few months about Jerusalem as Mystery Babylon, and I realized I have not given a proper context and a proper answer to this question. I made the announcement and then proceeded to uh, do the news according to what I now see about Jerusalem being Mystery Babylon. So this week the topic is why Jerusalem, not Rome, is Mystery Babylon. We need to know this in order to understand the prophecies and understand what's happening in the news so that we can see the prophets come alive in the news and in particular John of the book of Revelation. Just for your information, I will use the term Old Testament instead of Tanakh in case there are people in the audience who don't know what the Tanakh is. And for those who do know what the Tanakh is, they will also know what the Old Testament is. Here's what happened. I was reading about the two witnesses in the book of Revelation in uh, chapter 11. Now, Revelation 7 and 8 is about the two witnesses and they finish their testimony and the beast comes out of the bottomless pit to make war on them and conquer them and kill them and their dead bodies lie in the street of something called the great city that is symbolically called Sodom and Egypt and it's the place where our Lord was crucified now I've read this scripture before but this time it just hit me that Oh, they're talking about Jerusalem. And then I began to wonder about the rest of the book of Revelation, Mystery Babylon, and so forth. And I decided that I needed to look at Yahweh's definitions. One of the things I keep telling people is we have to get away from religious doctrine and religious definitions. Judaism and Christianity both have their own definitions for the same words that Yahweh spoke in the scripture. But what I want is for me to take the kingdom view. What did Yahweh mean when he said it? So I went back and started studying the words great city and whore or harlot. And I'm going to share all of that with you. Therefore, I came at this with not man's midrashic point of view, either from Christianity or Judaism. I didn't take up their reasoning and their religious non-kingdom filters. I sought it through Yahweh's eyes. So that required me to suspend teachings I have received from childhood uh, and books that I have read over the years. And I realized if I was going to do this study, there needed to be rules. And so I made for myself four 
rules and here are the rules you might uh, do this study and have your own rules but regardless of the rules you set for yourself you need to understand that you are seeking what Yahweh meant when he said it in the beginning and that's what I'm going to show you today rule number one for me is that Yahweh said he brings about the end from the problems created in the beginning that's in Isaiah 46 verses 8 to 10 that's the meaning from the scriptures that in the beginning comes the problem and in the end comes the correction of the problem and that correction is in the great tribulation and his correction starts in his own house that's an important point because Yahweh is more concerned about his own people his own house than he is about the nations you see the nations will fall in line if we would just be a light to the world which for the last 4,000 years he's not been able to get us to do that that's uh, more on that maybe later (laughs) but Yahweh does not take world history into account the way humans do so I'm not taking world history into account I'm not taking religious history or religious definitions into account because a historical perspective is irrelevant unless it is backed up by the Bible now the popular way for worldly professionals such as you know historians archaeologists anthropologists and even theologians those who who make up the doctrines of the various religions um, especially Christianity and Judaism is to reverse that order they look at the Bible's accounts and then they go to their sciences to verify the Bible no that's backwards it is wrong-headed and it blinds people to the truth of Yahweh so that's my first rule whatever Yahweh said in the beginning is uh, what is going to have to be corrected in the end rule number two all end times frameworks are found in scripture particularly in the Old Testament the New Testament is righteous commentary on the Torah and the writings and the prophets and it is the history of Yeshua while on the earth we get that the history of him on the earth in the Gospels so there are no new elements added to the scripture after the arrival of Yeshua all of the end times characters even those in the book of Revelation are found in the Old Testament there is nothing in the book of Revelation that is not in the Old Testament so that is rule number two if I don't find it in the Old Testament then my I'm missing something rule number three is Yahweh has revealed everything to his prophets now I am not saying the gift of prophecy is done away from the time of Yeshua to this modern era that is not what I'm saying I'm saying there have been no prophecies added to the scriptures 
only that everything Yahweh wants us to know in the end times generation was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets there are modern prophets but these are not to be turned into uh, scriptures you see Uh, the prophecies include Messiah Yeshua his people and his city why? well because the three stranded cord is Yahweh the people and the land so it's Yeshua his people and his city or his, and his land it, that includes his, his land because when we say Jerusalem we can mean all of the land of Israel the Bible was written to all of Yahweh's people but it has special importance for the last generation we can only understand what is coming by looking to the biblical past so that's rule number three and rule number four is Yahweh's word is simple so much so that it confounds the worldly wise causing them to not understand it but it's simple so simple that even the least educated people among his people will understand it Deuteronomy 30 verse 11 for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you neither is it far off it is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it but the word is very near you it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it see I have said before you today life and good death and evil if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments his statutes and his rule rules rather then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it but if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them now here's where mystery Babylon comes in you know the leaders of Jerusalem are not walking in Yahweh's ways and Yahweh will destroy them for defiling his city he says I declare today that you shall surely perish you shall not live long in the land that I that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess and in verse 19 I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death blessing and curse therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob to give to them you see here's the the part that is so simple that people don't understand it if you obey even though you don't understand you will get the understanding 
that's the simplicity of obedience to the Torah you get the understanding because you obey you don't first understand and then do it no you just go ahead and do it see it's in the doing that is the the basis for its simplicity so choose life choose doing choose Yahweh now let's talk about two definitions that we need in order to understand mystery Babylon these two definitions are the definition of great city and the definition of a harlot a whore let's go to Revelation verses 7 and 8 and look at those two witnesses it says and when they have finished their testimony the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt where their Lord was crucified now this scene happens in the city where John was told to measure the temple the one located in Yahweh's holy city according to Revelation 2 and the first question that we have to ask ourselves then and we'll be asking questions as we go along has Yahweh ever said in his word that Rome is a holy city now you know Rome calls itself you know the Vatican says Rome and particularly the Vatican is a holy city but is that just a Christian definition or is it Yahweh's definition you see that's what we need to look for a holy city of Yahweh that is also called a great city now I did a search in Esord of the phrase great city and I came up with 17 matches and these matches are reason Gibeon Nineveh and Jerusalem reason is called great city once Gibeon is called great city once Nineveh was called great city four times Nineveh Jerusalem though was called great city 11 times so the first great city reason let's take a look at reason reason was according to Genesis chapter 10 verses 8 to 12 a city founded by Nimrod son of Cush in the land of Assyria as interpreted in most modern translations but reason is stated according to Genesis 10:12, to have been located between Nineveh and Kalah and it became a great city its exact location is today unclear in Genesis 10:11 and 12 it says out of that land went forth Asher and built Nineveh the city Rehoboth and Kalah and reason was between Nineveh and Kalah the same is a great city now Nimrod built the first Babylon out of which came the Babylonian and Assyrian empires of that day 
Asher went forth from Babylon to build cities, whether for Nimrod or as part of the Babylonian Empire, we do not know, but the important factor is that Babylon and Assyria would both play important roles for Yahweh's people throughout the ages. From the Antiquities of the Jews, this quote, Asher lived at the city of Nineveh and named his subjects Assyrians, who became the most fortunate nation beyond others. So Asher is the one who uh, built these cities and, uh, well, particularly Nineveh, and he is the father of the Assyrians. Now, why is this important? Because Yahweh is setting up our understanding of what will happen to his people in their exiles. The capital of Assyria was Nineveh, who went into captivity there, the house of Israel. And the house of Israel is still in Assyrian exile. Yeshua has to come to break that exile because that exile was never announced uh, to be over. Now, Babylon appears three times in Scripture. At the beginning with Nimrod, in the middle with Nebuchadnezzar, and in the end, some people say as Rome, others Mecca, others New York, Washington, possibly London, etc. So Assyria pertains to the house of Israel, but in the scripture, Babylon pertains to the house of Judah. Now, both prior times that we read about Babylon, so we we read about Nimrod's Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, it has something to do with Yahweh's people. The first Babylon is where Abraham was called out. You see, as in the beginning, so in the end. So Abraham was called out of Babylon. And later some of Abraham's descendants went into uh, the area of Asher, Assyria. But some of his other descendants went into Babylon. And it is Babylon who most con- that most concerns the Lord in the end of days. In, in Revelation chapter 18 verse 4, we are exhorted to do what Abraham did and come out of here, out of her rather. And again, Yeshua will break the Babylonian exile when he comes. He has to break both the Assyrian and the Babylonian exile because even his people don't realize they are still in Babylonian exile or Assyrian exile. So, that great city uh, then must be one of the cities Yahweh listed in the Old Testament. Getting back to reason, no one knows where it is. Uh, they, they, archaeologists just can't find it. The only reference we have to it is in the scripture. So, where is Nineveh today? Well, archaeologists think they know 
today, Nineveh's location is marked by two large mounds, Koyunik and Nabi Yunus for Prophet Jonah, and the remains of the city walls are about 12 kilometers or 7 miles in circumference. And so I, I've left you uh, a, uh, a link here to that to go and read about that. Now what about Gibeon? Do we still have a city on the earth today called Gibeon? No. Uh, Gibeon was the place where the, the, the kings came together and they went and they deceived Joshua and Joshua made covenant with them. Remember they lied and said they were from outside of the land and had come from a far land. Well, um, that city... Uh, it does not exist today. So what other city on the list? You know, we have Reason, Nineveh, Gibeon, and Jerusalem. What other city on that list that Yahweh called great city in both the Old and New Testaments do we have? Well, Jerusalem. And do we know where Jerusalem is today? Yes, we do. Did Yahweh ever refer to Rome as a great city in scripture no Rome was nothing more than a political backdrop for the time of Yeshua's life to fulfill the prophecies Daniel's fourth beast was Edomite Rome and you've heard me say that all of Daniel's four beasts were Edomite empires um Edomite Rome is where the Jews uh, were exiled in their own land. They were not carted away into foreign captivity. They had their foreign captivity right there in their own land by Edomite Rome, of course by all the other uh, the other empires as well, except for Babylon, where they were carted off physically. And it was during that Babylonian exile that Judaism began to take hold. Judaism happened was happening before uh, Babylon. You know, uh, Judaism as a cultural identity of the house of Judah, as a religious identity of the house of Judah. Um, but they began to take on. Babylonianism when they were in Babylon Rome later was brought to them by Yahweh as punishment for the house of Judah taking on Babylonianism in their culture in their religion and after they rejected Yeshua Yahweh threw them right back into exile again into all the nations of the earth with the house of Israel as punishment exile is always punishment contrary to the belief in Judaism that their exile was for the benefit of the nations because they were righteous and the nations were not and therefore Yahweh put them with the nations to teach righteousness to the nations that is not the definition of Yahweh regarding exile so now 
Let's look at the testimony of Jerusalem's condition. The Old Testament calls Jerusalem Sodom and Egypt as well. Now I'm going to go through Sodom and Egypt as those definitions. Sodom was a city of injustice. We always think of it as a city of just, you know, uh, depravity, homosexuality, and so forth. But it was the injustice that Yahweh came for. He came to uh, look at why there was such an outcry. See, that's a, an outcry is the harbinger of injustice. Now, John, when he said this in Revelation 11, 8, he was not making up this as an insult against Jerusalem. You know, prior to John, Isaiah and Jeremiah had something to say about Jerusalem's despicable condition as Sodom. Okay, so in Isaiah 1.10, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Isaiah is talking to the ruler of Judah. In Isaiah 1.1, getting the context of this chapter, it says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days of Uzziah, Yotam, Ahaz, and <clears throat> Yehezkiah, kings of Judah. And in Jeremiah 23:14, we read that Jeremiah says, um, what Yahweh is saying here is, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none does return from his wickedness. They are all of them to me, says Yahweh, as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Jeremiah also said in Ezekiel 16:1-3, Again the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. Wait a minute. That's not who these people are, but that's who they are spiritually. Their father is an Amorite, their mother is a Hittite, and they are Canaanites spiritually. Okay, now let's talk about Egypt, the house of bondage. That's what Egypt represents. In Revelation 11.8, it says that the great city is also called Egypt. It's the place where their Lord was crucified. So John called Jerusalem Egypt because of its history of peace treaties with Egypt and the fact of the intercultural exchange that had gone on between Israel and Egypt. Were not the Israelites all supposed to have left Egypt? Well, not all of them did. But those who did should never have returned for political purposes as the kings of Judah did from the time of Solomon.
Therefore, Jerusalem took on the mantle of Egypt. It was evil for the kings of Judah to make and uphold peace with Egypt, since Yahweh had already destroyed it. Their making peace with Egypt was a recognition that Yahweh's enemy was not destroyed. This profaned his name and turned Yahweh into a liar by his own people. Jeremiah 24, 8 says, And as the evil figs which cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Surely, thus says the Lord Yahweh, so will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt. What that's talking about there is that some Jews had fled Judea during the Babylonian siege, during the Assyrian siege, during those times when Jerusalem was under siege by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, the Jews were fleeing to Egypt. They were taking refuge in the place that Yahweh said, this place is destroyed. Solomon made a peace treaty with Egypt in 1 Kings 3.1. Other kings of Judah upheld the Solomon peace treaty with Egypt and struggled with it being torn between Egypt and Babylon and Egypt and Assyria according to Hezekiah um, uh, in Second Kings 18 and Jehoiahaz in Second Chronicles 36 and Jehoiakim in Second Kings 23 verses 34 and 35 so was there a peace treaty in place uh, between Jerusalem and Egypt during Yeshua's time on earth? Well, yes and no. No, even though a large Jewish population still lived in Egypt as they do to this day, the peace treaty with Egypt was between Rome and Egypt during the time of Yeshua. As a conquered nation then, yes, Jerusalem was in treaty with Egypt through Rome, but it wasn't Jerusalem's own treaty with Egypt. It had been a few hundred years since Israel had been in treaty with Egypt. Yet John says Jerusalem would be both Sodom and Egypt in justice and slavery by the end of days. However, today Israel does have a peace treaty with Egypt once again just as was done in ancient times by the kings of Judah. Now, after the Roman Empire uh, was lost its power, and, you know, there was a lot of history that took place when Rome and Egypt didn't really have uh, the connection that they had, and therefore Jerusalem no longer had its connection with Egypt. Yet, John saw that in the end of days... There, it, Jerusalem would be Sodom and it would be Egypt and I find it interesting don't you that John foresaw Israel's continued connection to Egypt all the way to the end of days so which city was uh, John talking about that would be like Sodom and Egypt was it Rome or Jerusalem was it Mecca or Jerusalem 
Was it New York or Jerusalem? Was it Washington or Jerusalem? You see, if you go back and you get the the definition of Yahweh, what constitutes his great city, spoken of in Revelation, who is the great city? I mean, we have four choices. We got reason, uh, Gibeon, Nineveh, and Jerusalem. Three of those, nobody knows where some of them are. All of them have been destroyed. The only one left is Jerusalem. This is Yahweh's definition. This is not me. Yahweh said, it's Jerusalem. Just by the the sheer fact of going through these steps to look at Yahweh's definition of a great city. So, even though Rome existed at the time when John wrote the book of Revelation... Mecca hadn't yet come, or New York, or Washington. And here's uh, something about Rome. Rome is not mentioned by Yahweh as anything other than a conquering and ruling nation in Judea. Almost nothing is made of Rome and this situation by Yeshua either. We have to ask ourselves... What was the main concern of the apostles and Yeshua? Were they concerned about the Jews, the house of Judah, and the house of Israel coming to belief in Yeshua? Or were they concerned, the apostles and Yeshua, were they concerned that the Romans should come to belief in Yeshua? Who were they concerned about? Jerusalem? or those who are scattered in the nations of that day well of course they're concerned about the Jews and Jerusalem and the house of Israel in exile the book of Romans was not written to Rome but to a particular synagogue of integrated house of Judah Jews and house of Israel Greeks the concern throughout the Bible is always for Yahweh's own people not the nations his own people come first then the nations his people are to bring the nations into his kingdom not them to go into the nations and take up their ways but because of their continued harlotry they failed at that so the book of Revelation is explaining how Yahweh is coming to clean up his people first so they can in turn influence the nations to come into the kingdom. Jerusalem today truly is Sodom and Egypt, injustice and slavery let us now return to uh, John's revelation which says the great city is Sodom and Egypt and let's uh, remember that this is the city where Yeshua was crucified according to Revelation 8 but let's go to Revelation 14 8 and read what it says there 
And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So the repetition of is fallen, is fallen, in regard to Babylon tells us that Babylon will fall twice. So Babylon in Revelation is that great city that makes all the end time nations commit fornication. That word for um, fornication is Greeks, uh, the Greek word porneia, which is G4202. And it's related to um, G4203 and other words. But they're all um, porneia or having something to do with porn. Okay, so let's look at uh, what it means uh, with Rome in this Greek word context. Did Yahweh ever say Rome needed to be a faithful wife because up here what in verse Revelation 14 verse 8 John is saying that this particular Babylon is a Babylon of fornication so did Yahweh ever say Babylon Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon or um, Nimrod's Babylon or Rome for that matter did any of those need to be a faithful wife no did he ever call any other nation to marry him and be a faithful wife no being a faithful wife is for Israel only Deuteronomy 7 verses 6 to 8 says for you are a people holy to Yahweh your Elohim Yahweh your Elohim has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the nations who are on the face of the earth it was not because you were more in number than any other people that Yahweh set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all the peoples but it is because Yahweh loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that Yahweh has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery Egypt from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14 says turn O backsliding children says Yahweh for I am married to you and I will take you one of a city and two of a family and I will bring you to Zion so Yahweh's concern is not for other nations but his own nation to whom he is married and what is the city that is his bride Jerusalem 
Jeremiah 7:34 says, Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. Revelation 21 verse 2 says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned to her husband again which tribe and which house has controlled Jerusalem from the beginning Judah the house of Judah who are they they are one of the two houses of Israel there is a city that will be shamed And here is what John had to say about that city. The city full of harlots and her lovers. Revelation 18.3 For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now what is fornication? Well... It has to do with sexual impropriety. Generally, overall, it even includes uh, temple sex um, and other things. It's, It's where we get the word pornography. It's just all kinds of sexual perversion. And as you know, in the past I've told you, the Greek often does not have an equivalent in Hebrew. But it's Hebrew uh, word what it references back to is zana we're going to look at that a little bit later zana it means harlot or whore and we'll get to that a little bit later Isaiah 51:17 says awake awake stand up O Jerusalem which have, has drunk at the hand of Yahweh the cup of his fury you have drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. Wait a minute. Isaiah says the same thing that John said in Revelation. Oh no, that's backwards. John said the same thing that Isaiah said about Jerusalem. Drinking the cup. The cup of harlotries. You see? Revelation 18:4 and 5 And I heard another voice from heaven saying Come out of her my people that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities in other words now he's waking up This her refers to the city that Yahweh is about to destroy. That one that is listed in Isaiah 51.17 and that is listed in Revelation 18.3. Question. Did Yahweh ever refer to Rome as this type of an entity? A, A her, you know, that's personal to himself. No. Does Yahweh refer to Jerusalem in a personal sense in scripture? You know, like Jerusalem belongs to him. Like the people belong to him. Has he ever referred to Jerusalem and the per- and the people in a personal sense from his point of view in scripture? Yes. 
In fact, Yeshua, Yahweh of the Old Testament made flesh in the New Testament, he said in Matthew 23:37, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kills the prophets and stones them which are sent to you, how often I would have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not." Hint, here's a hint. Which city killed the prophets? Jerusalem. Which city will kill the two witnesses who prophesy in the great city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem will kill the prophets prophesying in Jerusalem. Revelation 18.2 And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, we're looking here at a, at a system of uncleanness, everything that's unclean in this city called Babylon the Great. And we're looking here at a hateful bird. Well, that word actually means detestable, a detestable bird. Now, here's another question. Which city is Yahweh concerned over being clean or unclean? Is it Rome or Jerusalem? Did Yahweh call Rome to be clean and to be not unclean? Was it Rome or Jerusalem? Well, of course it's it's Jerusalem, not Rome. Revelation 18.7 says as she glorified herself and lived in luxury so give her a like measure of torment and mourning since in her heart she says I sit as a queen I am no widow and mourning I shall never see you know just as an aside going down a little rabbit trail I have talked to Jews in the land who say no one can defeat us we have God on our side. Nobody can, will, we will not have any mourning here in our land. No army can come and defeat us. Okay? They sit as a queen. They are not a widow. And, meaning they have not been in exile. And mourning they will never see. Ezekiel 16:35 to 37 says, Therefore, O harlot, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Because your lust was poured out, and your nakedness uncovered, and your whorings with your lovers, which city is Ezekiel talking about? That's a harlot, and does whorings with lovers, like as it says in the book of Revelation? and with all your abominable idols and because of the blood of your children that you gave to them therefore behold I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure all those you loved and all those you hated I will gather them against you from one side from every side rather and will uncover your nakedness to them that they may see all your nakedness Yahweh is going to shame whatever city it is here that Ezekiel is talking about and who was he talking about oh Jerusalem the Lord is going to shame Jerusalem 
it's not talking about Rome there. It's not talking about New York or Washington or London or Mecca. So let's take a look at the great city at the end of the millennium. Go to the end of the book for a fine definition of what Yahweh calls his city, Jerusalem. So we're going to Revelation 21.10 to the the very end of the whole Bible, the last, uh, next to the last chapter. We're going to get a definition from Yahweh of which city is the great city. Revelation 21.10 And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from Yahweh, from God, rather. Right here, Yahweh calls Jerusalem that great city. That phrase is specific to Jerusalem. Would Yahweh have called Jerusalem that great city at the end of the book if she wasn't defined that way by him at the beginning of the book? No. Why? Because Yahweh changes not. Everything that was in the beginning will be the same at the end. Now, Let's look at the harm of Jerusalem. Jeremiah 14:16 says, "And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and they shall have none to bury them, them, their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness upon them." That sounds like John, right? Because, you know, Jerusalem is getting what uh, they have coming to them. The Lord is going to give upon them their own wickedness according to the book of Revelation. Again, I want to ask this question. Did Yahweh ever call Rome a great city? No. Uh, Rome as a city is not even mentioned in the scripture except as part of the travels of the apostles. No, Uh, We have already seen from scripture all the cities that Yahweh referred to as a great city. And each one of those cities were named that because they harmed Yahweh's people in some way. That list includes Jerusalem. Has Jerusalem harmed Yahweh's own people? Yes. Isaiah 28.14 Wherefore, hear the word of Yahweh, you scornful men that rule this people, which is Jerusalem. Scornful of who? Yahweh and his people. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 6 says, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. And Ezekiel 34, 8, 
As I live, says the, the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, nor neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. These scriptures are so numerous. I don't have time to list them all here. Listen, Yahweh won't bring his new Jerusalem, great city, until Jerusalem, great city, is cleaned up. She is his great city, even when she is defiled. He never changed his mind about who and what Jerusalem is, or his definition of great city. Now, Let's turn our attention to defining what is a harlot. I want to make these points. Mystery Babylon is a harlot city. Jerusalem is a harlot city. I'm going to show you this in the scripture. Could Mystery Babylon and Jerusalem be connected? Could they even be the same city where, by the end of days, this city's whoredoms become so bad she is now beyond Sodom and has become the worst possible thing? Mystery Babylon, the Babylon where she was held captive and where she absorbed Babylon. The other point is that one of Revelation's main characters is Mystery Babylon. She, Mystery Babylon, is juxtaposed to Yahweh's churches, His assemblies that obviously believe in Him as the Messiah who came in flesh. One of the biggest clues about who Mystery Babylon is that she, Mystery Babylon, is called Great City. Again, we have the Bible calling cities great, but Mystery Babylon is called Great City. I want to remind you that our father Abraham came out of Babylon. The Jews went back into Babylon in exile. and But before Babylon, though, the house of Judah, the Jews, had already become harlots. So one of our clues is the definition of harlot. Now, there is a word, zana, as I told you earlier. We're going to look at that definition. It's Strong's H2181, and its first use is in Genesis 34:31. And it says, and they said, should he deal with our sister as with a harlot? So we're going to look at what that context is in a minute, but let's first see the difference between a zana and a naaf. Okay, a naaf is Strong's H5003. The zana sometimes rendered zona and you know zanut is not just an adulteress a naaf 
but she is a specific kind of adulterer uh, which is an unfaithfulness to Yahweh and the covenant that the people made with him the Naaf adultery is specific to unfaithfulness in human marital relationships but the unfaithfulness of the whole house of Israel that Yahweh now calls just Israel is both an adulteress, a naaf, and a zanah, a breaker of covenant faithfulness. I want to explain more about zanah. Zanah is specific to unfaithfulness in relationship to one's deity. Ancient cultures understood themselves to be in covenant with their deity or deities and their king. A zanah is one who does not care for or uphold their covenant with their cultural deity or their king. Yahweh said that one who commits zanah is a wanton idolater. Why? Because idolatry is to Yahweh, our husband, as adultery is to an earthly husband. It means to go after another god, another deity. In Genesis uh, 34:31, that's a reference there to Dinah, who was raped by the men of Shechem who could have been shamed as one who was unfaithful to Yahweh in Jacob's family. And this was a serious matter that could expose Dina to further sexual abuse. The men of Shechem had their God and her rape, if it came without retribution, uh, would have exposed her to Shechem's cultural expectations of one who plays fast and loose with the gods. Even the pagans have a sense of faithfulness when it comes to their deities. In fact, I'm going to submit to you that the pagans have been more faithful to their gods than Israel has been to theirs. Rahab was a Zana because she was willing to be unfaithful to both the deities of Jericho and the king of Jericho. This is why she so easily discarded Jericho to go with Israel. She had no faithfulness to her own people or their deity. So Zana means to be Faithless in all the sense of that word. Faithless to your people. Faithless to Yahweh's covenant with you and your people. Faithless in your faith, your walk with him. Idolatrous in that you seek out the ways and practices of other deities that Yahweh commanded that you should not do. Anytime we seek another path that Yahweh has not given to us, we are zana, faithless, a harlot, a whore, even if we never committed adultery, naaf, in our physical life. Israel is a zana, not a naaf, with 
one caveat because I'll show that to you in a minute because we have been unfaithful to our God we have not upheld our end of the covenant did Yahweh call nations or cities who were not married to him harlots yes and no this is important to understand in coming to grips with who is mystery Babylon Isaiah 23:15 and 16 It shall come to pass in that day that Tyre shall be forgotten 70 years according to the days of one king after the end of 70 years shall Tyre sing as a harlot Take a harp go about the city you harlot that has been forgotten make sweet melodies sing many songs that you may be remembered I uh, looked for a a good way to explain this and I found it on gotquestions.org I thought this explanation is really really good Tyre and Sidon are port cities located in modern Lebanon in the Mediterranean coast. Sidon is believed to have existed prior to 2000 BC with Tyre being just a little younger. The Old Testament mentions Israel's dealings with these cities including the Israelites failure to conquer Sidon in the conquest of the promised land according to Judges 131 their worship of Sidonian gods on several occasions Judges 10:6 to 16 and 1 Kings 11 and their obtaining materials from Sidon and Tyre for the building of the temple First Chronicles 22 verse 4 King Hiram of Tyre provided many of the temple furnishings for Solomon First Kings 7 13 to 51 Tyrians and Sidonians are also mentioned in helping rebuild the temple in Ezra's time Ezra 3 7 Queen Jezebel was a Sidonian First Kings 16 31 the Sidonian city of Zarephath was where a widow took care of Elijah and the Lord provided oil and flour for her through the famine later the widow's son became ill and Elijah raised him from the dead 1st Kings 17 8 to 24 the Old Testament also has several prophecies against Tyre and Sidon that predicted a complete overthrow Isaiah 23 Jeremiah 25 27 and 47 Ezekiel 26 to 28, Joel chapter 3, Amos 1 verses 9 and 10, Zechariah 9 verses 1 through 4. Nebuchadnezzar besieged Tyre from 585 to 572 BC. Alexander the Great conquered Tyre in 322 BC, completely destroying the city. The Persian king Artaxerxes conquered Sidon. In short, God's prophesied judgment came to pass. Later, both cities became prosperous provinces of Rome. Have you noticed that the same people who conquered Jerusalem conquered Tyre? Keep that in mind. Tyre and Sidon were Gentile cities north of Israel and was where many of the house of Israel lived after the exile. The close relationship between Israel and the city of Tyre 
and there was a legal relationship there, gave Yahweh the right to call Tyre a Zanah, a whore. What was the legal, what was the legal relationship between Jerusalem and Tyre? Well, they went into covenant with those cities, particularly Tyre. Did they not? Because of, uh, the, the temple. Tyre was highly involved in the building of both temples. These are not even Yahweh's people. Yahweh didn't tell uh, Solomon to go and make a, a covenant with King Hiram or with Tyre. It would be okay to to buy uh, supplies, possibly, but it's not okay to be in covenant with those people. And yet, those people were allowed to be builders in both temples and guess what they did they brought their gods to the temples both of them the first and second temples when they helped the Jews oh the Jews didn't want their house of Israel and their house of Judah uh, people from Samaria helping, but they would take the gods of Tyre and the people of Tyre in this relationship, building the house of lo- the Lord. That should tell you something. And lest we forget, Tyre's close relationship with Jerusalem would have been part of the reason for Jerusalem's idolatry, as I just said. King Solomon's relationship with Hiram was more than business. It was personal. People overlook and even adopt the ways of their friends. So Tyre would have been involved in influencing Jerusalem away from Yahweh toward the worship of other deities, thus making Jerusalem into a Zanah. And who are the Masons? They are the people of Tyre. We talk about the Freemasonry having to do with Judaism. Yes, exactly right. Tyre, as much as Babylon, influenced Judah and their religion, Judaism. Yahweh's travel to Tyre and Sidon, though, is testimony to where some of the house of Israel was at in that time. He demonstrated that his intention was to seek the lost sheep of the house of Israel when he went there. In the, what he said about doing that was in Matthew 10:6 and Matthew 15:24 that he had come to seek the sheep of the lost house of Israel. In Mark chapter 7 verses 24 to 30 we read about Yeshua crossing over the border and going to Tyre and Sidon. And it says that he entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Yeshua said to her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said to her, 
for this saying go your way the devil is gone out of your daughter and when she was come to her house she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed Yeshua was demonstrating his intention toward the house of Israel by going to Tyre and Sidon to seek the house of Israel now only Israel is married to Yahweh Tyre was merely Israel's best friend and both of their whoredoms are become Jerusalem's idolatries her zanaz if I may Jerusalem the great city is associated with whoredom or zanah in scripture in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles 21.13 and Jeremiah 13.27 let's go to Jeremiah 13.27 the Lord says I have seen your abominations your adulteries and your neighings your lewd whorings on the hills in the field woe to you O Jerusalem how long will it be before you are made clean so here the word whorings is zenut that is uh, again it's a, a that derived from zana it is a whore as an unfaithful wife remember israel is married jerusalem is married to yahweh but judah is specifically called a harlot a zana faithless to the god of israel and her king in jeremiah 3 8 which says and i saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding israel committed adultery naaf i had put her away and given her a bill of divorce yet her treacherous sister judah feared not but went and played the harlot Zana also so what Jeremiah is saying is that Judah is a worse harlot than Israel the house of Israel the house of Israel is deemed to have acted better than Judah when Yahweh compared their activities adultery naaf versus harlotry Zana see both are evil but this comparison is made by Yahweh himself to show how much worse Judah is than her sister Israel so who is a harlot in Yahweh's eyes both his people and his city Jerusalem and the fact that Jerusalem is controlled by Judah and it was controlled by Judah in Jeremiah's time suggests that the Jerusalem that is controlled by Judah in the end of days is the same Jerusalem and they're practicing the same harlotries the same zana he began actually Yahweh began calling the people a whore um, a zanun while the Israelites were still in the wilderness coming out of Egypt and he will call her a great whore in the end of days in Numbers 14.33 we read about the ten spies and their evil report and it's uh, here's what Yahweh said to them and your children to this generation these people that 
didn't want to go take the land and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses are wasted in the wilderness so there is the first time that we read that um, he is calling them uh, whores isn't it interesting that not even at the golden calf incident the Lord called them zana or whores that had to wait until they refused to go across and take the land so we're going to look at now which city that is called a whore Isaiah 121 says how is the faithful city become a harlot a zana it was full of judgment righteousness lodged in it but now murderers so which city was Isaiah concerned about here Rome or Jerusalem Jerusalem of course from the Old Testament it is clear that when Yahweh refers to a city as a whore the only city he means is Jerusalem mystery Babylon is Jerusalem Jerusalem is mystery Babylon mystery Babylon whore refers to a great city according to Revelation Uh, in the context of Revelation 17 uh, we learn that the whore is called the woman in Revelation 17 but in verse 18 it says and the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth she is called the great whore she the whore is the same as Yahweh's wife Jerusalem and mystery Babylon is a whore in Revelation 17.1 and in 17.5 and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying come here I will show you the judgment of the great whore that sits on many waters and in verse 5 and on her forehead was written a name of mystery Babylon the great mother of whores and of the earth's abominations mystery Babylon religious Babylon situated in the hands of end times Judaism is also that great city Revelation 17:18 and the woman which you saw is that great city so the woman is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth and I know you're going to have questions about that I'll tell you about that in a little bit so it is undeniable now that Jerusalem is Babylon the great a city of harlots against Yahweh and she is called the great city and by the way neither Nimrod's nor Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon was ever called Babylon the Great elsewhere in scripture outside of the book of Revelation that is a title reserved for what Jerusalem will have become because of the whoredom of Judaism and those false prophets and teachers who are leading the people of the house of Judah astray and who will try to ensnare the nations in their own whoredoms through the Noahide laws and other means so now I want to go back over Rome can Rome or Mecca 
New York, Washington, London, or any other city or people be the great city of Revelation? No. Can Yahweh be speaking of Tyre? No. The house of Judah does not rule over Tyre. Never has. The great city of Revelation is only Jerusalem. Now connect Babylonian Judaism with its mystery religion, the Kabbalah, which came with them out of Babylon, and you will see why Jerusalem is called not only Babylon, but mystery Babylon, Babylon of the mystery religion. Being captive in Babylon, please note this. Get this to sink into your head because the Jews in Babylon was not merely a physical captivity of the Jews. It was Yahweh turning them over to a reprobate mind to continue in and worsen their spiritual condition so that they would be blinded to the truth of Yahweh. Second Timothy 3.8 says that now as Yanis and Yambre withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate minds claim to know Yahweh, but in their works they deny him. In Titus 1.16 it says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Rome is the religious base that captured the house of Israel. Rome also militarily captured the land of Israel. And I said earlier that the house of Israel is still in Assyrian captivity because that captivity was never declared over. Um, the It was kind of like transferring a title you know if you have real estate you can transfer a title or if you have cars you can transfer a car title so the Assyrian captivity got transferred to Babylon then it got transferred to Persia it got transferred to Greece and then it was cap uh, transferred to Rome uh, Rome though developed something that the other three empires did not those first three empires and also including Rome did military captivities of Yahweh's people but Babylon took the house of Judah and gave them a different culture Rome took the house of Israel and some from the house of Judah and gave it a different cultural and religious context as well. So the house of Israel is still in Assyrian captivity, but the cap- that captivity was transferred to Rome. 
the Jews are still in Roman captivity and Babylonian captivity as it were in other words all these captivities never really ended Yeshua must come to declare them over and the Antichrist is called the Assyrian that's one of his names he has other names this Antichrist he's called the Assyrian why is he called the Assyrian because we're still in Assyrian captivity and there are people in this Assyrian captivity who are going to say oh look there's our king our Messiah you see Rome only made a military conquest of Jerusalem but it was Babylon that got the Jewish soul and it is the Jews who rule Jerusalem now it is the soul the spirit in us that Yahweh wants for this is the seat of our faithfulness but when we become Zana we lose all of that faithfulness now I'm going to look at a couple just two objections I know people are going to have a lot of objections Re- Revelation 17:1 says and one of the seven messengers who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me saying to me come I shall show you the judgment of the great whore sitting on many waters now people have looked at this geographically I'm going to show you how Jerusalem sits on many waters you know the beasts come up out of the sea Uh, they come up out of the earth as well but there are beasts that come up out of the sea the sea is a um, it's an idiom for or a metaphor for the people of the nations where are the Jews scattered in every nation thus Jerusalem has tendrils through the Jews into every nation they sit on many waters many nations and Jerusalem is trying to govern the Jews in all the nations which if accomplished will mean that Jerusalem rules all the nations you see you know about the Noahide laws one of the purposes of those is to make a distinction between Jews and everyone else so that the Jews become distinct and are ruled from Jerusalem every nation where they reside this is how Jerusalem sits on many waters the sea the people of the nations where the Jews are now living Revelation 18:19 says and they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned crying out alas alas for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth for in a single hour she has been laid waste some say Jerusalem is not a seaport city thus based on this one thing Jerusalem cannot be mystery Babylon well it is correct Jerusalem is not a city sitting on a seaport but here is the caveat Israel has a seaport in terms of governments when we say Washington we often mean the government of the United States when we say Moscow we often mean the government of Russia when we say Beijing we often mean the government of 
China. Thus, when we say Jerusalem, we can also mean the government of Israel. It is common to speak of nations and their capital cities in this like exchange, in this like manner, and doing so is not new in our modern era. In the context of Jerusalem as the government of Israel, Jerusalem does have a seaport. Now I know there are other objections, but these are the two that I have gotten the most uh, uh, you know, emails from. Okay, let's just sum up about Babylon and Jerusalem. The description of Jerusalem as a whore, Sodom, Egypt, and the coming destruction that will be brought on her is the same description John gave about the great city called Babylon and which he also called mystery because Judaism is a mystery religion. And I want to share something here about mystery religions. The Jews try to make you believe that Kabbalah is unique to Judaism. Oh no, it's not. There are other occult and ancient religions going all the way back to known texts from before there was an Israel. Okay? These texts come out of the Egyptian mystery rites and they employ the same religious ideas. Judaism is pagan to the core. Come out of her, people. Come out of Christianity. The same paganness is in Christianity. Yahweh has always and only been concerned with his city, Jerusalem, and her people. He has never been concerned with any of the people of the nations except where they uh, interact with his people, Israel. Jerusalem and Yahweh's people have both been called Yahweh's bride. He, he never said, you know, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, even Tyre, Reason, um, Gibeon, Nineveh. These were not ever called Yahweh's bride. The only one who was his bride and his wife was Jerusalem and her whoredoms is where we get mystery Babylon. Yahweh never mentions Rome in connection with Babylon in scripture either. But Jerusalem is mentioned in connection with Babylon a lot in the Old and New Testaments. Yahweh never mentions any battles of Rome against Jerusalem. But he has a lot to say about the battles of Babylon against Jerusalem. The battles between Babylon and Jerusalem are more than military conquests, as I have said. They were spiritual battles, which so far the house of Judah has lost. The great city, I'm just recapping here, refers to four cities in scripture, three of which are now in ruins. The only remaining city of the four that is called great city in the Old Testament is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
Judah and Israel were both called whores by Yahweh. They were never, he never called any other people whores, although he did call Tyre a whore one time. Judah will not willingly give up her whoredoms and further will bring all nations into the same idolatries. That's what it means in Revelation 17 and in Isaiah. I read you those scriptures where the nations drink of her cup. Her cup is those uh, worship, that worship of other gods. That's what makes her zana. They're not going to give this up willingly. They're going to have to be destroyed. Yahweh will have no other choice than to separate out the remnant from Jerusalem. And believe me, there are righteous Jews in Jerusalem. And he will have to destroy the house of Judah and Jerusalem with her after he separates that remnant out from her. After this, Yeshua will return to rebuild Jerusalem as a pure and holy and great city fit for him as a king now you know why I speak so hard against Judaism it's not the people I'm speaking against it's their harlotries that I'm speaking against I'm not doing anything other than what Jeremiah and Isaiah did that religious stuff coming out of Jerusalem is mystery Babylon stuff the Kabbalah the Zohar Gemara the Talmud and even their corrupted Mishnah see this recent Noahide agenda coming out of Judaism is a product of mystery Babylon I love the people over there I just spent I just spent Sukkot with them and I, I realized how much I love the people. They're they're beautiful people physically and um I, I meet some wonderfully kind people there but they're lost. They are lost and I'm trying to keep the remnant, the elect out of that. That is the mission that Yahweh has given me at this time so now you know what is happening when you read articles from breaking Israel news spouting their Judaism lies they're spouting harlotries and the other media outlets that from time to time spout the same Judaism harlotries the Zana which push the Judaism and Jewish messianic uh, agendas now you know when you read those you'll have the basis of understanding where all that is coming from and why uh, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and now you also know why Jerusalem is mystery Babylon not Rome or Mecca New York Washington London or even Tyre that's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.